the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, what exactly is school choice? For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. So for a long time, I've been hearing the term school choice, and I think one of the side effects that came with COVID was parents' ability to look into their kids' classrooms and see what's really going on. And we have seen almost a little epidemic of parents going to school board meetings and saying, what, how, what, why, why are we doing this? And it's very, very interesting. And so the subject of school choice seems to be gaining some momentum here over the last couple of years. And I've been in touch with an organization called EdChoice. They've been around for a long time. And it's important to me, I was able to put my kids in a school that I wanted to, and not everyone is. And why not? And are there drawbacks? Let's talk about this. I think it's really important. So we welcome Steve Halverda on. He is the Vice President of Development from EdChoice, edchoice.org. If you want to go, they have amazing resources there if you want to look at this. But this is not an infomercial for EdChoice. Steve and I are going to talk as though I know nothing about this, as I hope a lot of you come to this conversation with a lot of questions. Let's try to get them answered. Steve, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Michelle. It's it's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, so you're hearing this. I, what many people may not have seen that I saw from my little vantage point here in my office was you nodding along. Right now, what kind of experience are you guys having in terms of parents raising their hands and saying, can I send my kids somewhere else? Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of that. Um, I think you're right when you when you would initially said that the pandemic certainly changed the conversation. Um, it, it had been a conversation for a long time. Uh, as, as you mentioned, we've been an organization for over 25 years now uh, fighting for this cause. Uh, but the pandemic definitely kicked it into overdrive, I would say. Um, you're right. Parents did get to see behind the curtain a little. And yeah. uh, some of them weren't, uh, were a little surprised maybe with what, with what they saw. And so we're seeing a lot of conversations now around the country of parents talking about what else is there for my family and for my child. And they're, a lot of them are taking it on themselves to, to find a solution um, that works for them. And 
And we as an organization definitely support that, that we want to make sure that families are making the right choice for their own children and not having that choice forced on them by someone else. You mentioned the organization and its cause. How did this organization come to be? What was that? How did the cause sort of emerge? Sure. So our organization was founded by Milton and Rose Friedman. Um, They're uh, world famous economists uh, from a long time ago. And I believe Milton started talking about this all the way back in the 1950s, um, that he was trying to find a solution for the issue of education in our country. Um, And he first started talking about vouchers back in 1955 and saying that that is uh, kind of the exit plan for families from a from a system that was not built uh, for everyone. Uh, it might be working for some, but it certainly wor- isn't working for all. And so he founded our organization back in 1996 as the Milton and Rose Friedman Foundation for Educational Choice. Uh, kind of a long name, but uh, since then we've shortened our name to Ed Choice, uh, which is. Uh, but we're certainly still carrying out the legacy of the Friedmans and. And following the the path that they put in front of us of trying to make sure educational choice is available for all families across the country, um, regardless of their situation, we want to make sure that it's available for everyone. You mentioned the word vouchers. Yes. As I understand it, Steve, vouchers are a way to say, here is the taxpayer money that would be spent to educate your child. It will follow your child wherever you want to send your child not, you know, your child has to go to the school that we tell them to go to. Is is that about right? How would you explain it? Yeah, more or less, that's correct. Um, vouchers are one of the vehicles um, that we're now seeing in the educational choice movement. Um, vouchers was kind of the first step, I would say, in the process of getting school choice available for families. And you're correct, Michelle, that uh, a voucher would be something that a family can use to offset the tuition costs or other educational costs that they may incur at a school that isn't assigned to them based on their zip code. Right. Um, you know, people do make other forms of choice. Uh, you know, we choose the houses that we lived in a lot of times based on the school district. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people have been making these choices for a long time vouchers was that first step into making it a little bit more convenient and easier for people to do so. I would imagine there's a large pushback against just the idea of school choice in a, in a country where we talk about choice so often and all of the rights given to us. It seems to me the ability to put your kid in the school that you want to ought to be automatic, but what is the pushback? Where does it originate? Uh, it, it comes from a lot of different places. I think, um, you know, change is always hard and challenging, um, particularly when you've got an institution like our educational system that's been around for a long time. I mean, since the beginning of our country, we've, right. we've had a system here that's, that's worked for some, um, not necessarily for all. So I think you see some pushback from uh, the institution um, itself. Um, there's going to be other groups that are heavily involved in the public education system that don't necessarily like this kind of change. And I think what we talk about at EdChoice quite a bit is a lot of the arguments that people make against educational choice and school choice are based in fear. And some of that fear is the unknown. Uh, we at EdChoice and others like us that are in this movement are trying to make opportunities based on hope for families rather than fear. And we feel like that's when you give a family hope, that's when 
they start to get excited about their choices and the options that they have. And that's what we're trying to offer people. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of messaging out there that may not necessarily be true uh, based on the fiscal side of educational choice um, that, you know, using these dollars for a private school or a charter school, home school, rather than a public school is going to hurt those public schools. Uh, when in reality, EdChoice has done a lot of research on this and published a lot of information proving that that's not really true. Um, that it doesn't fiscally hurt the public schools. Um, and in fact, in some levels, the ability of those schools to become a better school uh, is certainly on the forefront now. Competition makes everything better. Amen to that. A competition, and, and maybe when the kids are spread out a little bit more to some of these other schools, you have smaller class sizes. I can think of that off the top of my head. But in addition to vouchers, and again, I, I want to make it really clear, I'm not sitting here doing an infomercial for EdChoice or any other organization. I, I think it's really important, though, that people hear more about this. I, I want to provide this platform for this conversation on both sides because, you know, it just it's we're in a weird time. We're in a really weird time. And I think people would like to know that their kids are getting the best opportunity available to them. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So you talked about vouchers, but you said there are other forms uh, that this could take. What are they? Yep. Um, so we're starting to see more and more creativity, should we say, uh, when it comes to uh, legislation that uh, states are starting to put forward. Uh, one of the ones that has gained a lot of traction lately is an ESA, an education savings account. Uh, they work in a very similar manner to a healthcare savings account where a family would receive, you know, I, to put it simply, I probably not the actual case where you get a debit card, um, uh, you know, but it'd be a spending account of some kind that you can use for the education of your child. Um, each state is going to be different in how these are implemented and talked about based on the educational needs and the setup of that state. Um, you know, the, certain states have larger cities than others and right. the educational formats have to look a little different. So with an ESA, it's something where each state and each family would be able to choose what's best for them. Um, so with these ESAs, you could choose to use that for the, the tuition costs of a private school, or you could use it for um, tutoring costs that you may have that your child needs specifically. Um, any educational expense, as I said, similar to a healthcare savings account, you would be able to use it for any educational expense. Um, there's also tax credit programs that are in place in certain states. Uh, tax credit scholarships are also in place in states around the country. So you're starting to see more and more creativity, um, which is exciting. Uh, yeah. That, 
people are trying to find ways that fit and work for their state, their town, their family. How does homeschooling fit into all of this? Because that certainly is a choice that it seems to me more people are making, um, not only during the pandemic, but just I, I, I see it growing. I, I don't remember seeing or knowing anyone who was homeschooled when I was a kid. And now it seems like I meet them all the time. What's behind that? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. I did not know very many uh, homeschooled children when I was a kid. Um, so it's, it's something that has really gained some traction. As you mentioned, during the pandemic, I think we saw an explosion of homeschool opportunities for families. Um, and now we've, at EdChoice, we've done some studies on hybrid homeschooling, where you're using part homeschool, part classroom work with, with other families. So that has taken a lot of forms as well. Uh, but we're certainly seeing more interest in that. We're getting more questions about it. Of you know, What does that look like for me and my family? Um, and again, I think some of it goes back to that curtain being pulled back and yeah. families and parents seeing behind that curtain and thinking, you know, my better option might be to educate my child myself. Um, and that's great. Uh, you know, if you're able to do that, um, that's that's great and something we support. Um yeah, it, we're certainly seeing more and more of it. Uh, we do a monthly poll here as well, and some of our questioning is asking parents about their willingness to return to the school situation that they were in prior to the pandemic. And we're seeing more and more parents responding differently in that, I don't know that I want my child back five days a week in school. So maybe it's a hybrid of that, of you know two to three days in a classroom setting and then homeschool from there. So again, the options are really starting to grow and families are getting more creative with what's the best way to educate my child to give them a successful future. It's really interesting that you mentioned that states, and for obvious reasons, states have different needs, right? You can't yeah. apply a blanket answer to this question and say, it, 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 because you've got rural schools, you've got city schools, you've got all of this going on. Where do you see states really having success? I mean, do we have anecdotal or even, even, you know, empirical data to suggest that this is a really good idea? Because it sounds to me like it is, but I can also see pitfalls in terms of, well, you know, what about the standardized levels that we need each kid to reach in order to go to college and yada, yada, yada. So where, where is the empirical data? Where's the anecdotal stuff that tells you at EdChoice that it's working? Yeah, we're seeing it, as you said, states are different from one another. So it's you really can't compare them apples to apples. But we are seeing it, you know, around the country in states that do have large choice options available. So a state like Indiana, we're located in Indianapolis. So we we see Indiana around us and, and people I work with, you know, they have children in school. Um, and so we are impacted by this very directly in Indiana. And we have a lot of choice options available. We have a voucher program here in the state. We have an ESA program in the state as well. Um, and we're seeing here that, again, the public schools are not being hurt by this. Um, they're, they're continuing to do their thing. In fact, many of them are getting better. Um, and the private schools, the charter schools, they're also continuing to see improvement in their work. Um, I don't know that we've seen a, a massive improvement one over another, whether a private school is significantly better now than a public school. Um, we haven't seen that. I think, you know, 
the rising tide raises all ships argument um, is certainly applicable here. Um, and it just, it causes everything to get better. So I think that's the empirical evidence that we've seen so far um, is that uh, there's been improvement across the state when you have larger programs available for families to choose. Um, some states have chosen to take a, a bit by bit approach of, you know, pass a small program and then see where that goes from there. Others, uh, West Virginia last year passed a massive ESA program, the largest uh, in the country to date, where it would impact the majority of the students in the state, the vast majority of the students in the state. We're, we're still waiting to see because it's so new to see what impact that is going to have. Um, but I think just based on historical data that we have, we expect to see some pretty positive results in West Virginia as well. And you, you say, you know, schools are getting better. How do we measure better? How do we know this? That's that's a really great question to ask. Um, and that's it's a challenging one to answer um, in that, you know, without those standardized tests. And we don't we don't really want to get into into that. It's not something that EdChoice does is talking about, you know, testing and that sort of thing. But that's certainly one way to measure it of, you know, better results in a state. I think we measure things of schools being better in availability of them to the families that want to use it. Um, you know, if this is a better option for you and your child, you should be able to do that. Um, and I think that's where you see happier families and, and better results that way. Right. Um, so as far as data goes, it's hard to point to anything that's really doing that. Um, but I think just that the soft side of it, uh, you start to see some improvement there and just, you know, those things that are the hard to measure type stuff is probably yeah. where you where you see it the most. Yeah, I, I can. I'm hearing people, not that I have voices in my head, although sometimes, Steve, <laughs> I do. Well, but we I'm, all do. <laughs> I'm hearing people want to argue and, and hear a couple things I, I think people will say. First of all. Does school choice become a more relevant topic in red states versus blue states? Is that something you can even answer? I mean, do you see more school choice availability or um, states pursuing it when they are led by Republican governors, let's say, versus Democrat governors? Because, you know, I think we can honestly look at this situation and see that Teachers unions are largely supportive of Democrats. Yeah, we we try to avoid the political side of it. <laughs> That's so um, smart. But damn it, <laughs> I want an answer. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure you do. I'm sure other listeners would love that as well. Um, we try to avoid the political side of it. And, and honestly, I, I won't answer that question directly. Okay. However, we have done a recent study um, which talks to parents in states around the country um, so we polled yeah. parents around the states, uh, around the country in different states, and we found that it, regardless of what political party that person, the parent uh, that was answering the question, regardless of party, the majority of people want educational choice for their family. Um, so whether or not the politicians are listening to them, that's a different <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen, we have actual data that shows that regardless of the the assumed color of that state, whether red, 
blue, purple, um, yeah, <laughs> whatever the color yes. is, we've seen families responding in a very similar way in that choice is a good thing and they want it, um, yeah. overwhelmingly want it. So again, I won't get into the, the political side of that. Understood. But we we but do you, have evidence showing that people do want this. Across the board. And, yes. and that's, I mean, when it comes to your kids, you know, politics kind of goes out the window. You want what you want for your kids. That's right. And, and that's why I think this issue is, and especially in the last few years now, is, is growing in this way. So, but what do you say to parents, for instance, who, who are frustrated? Because they don't have it right now and they don't feel that they're being heard. You know, like you said, whether or not the politicians are listening, maybe we don't know. But I I suppose that can take place at the ballot box. But I'm sure there are a lot of parents who feel fairly helpless in this. Like they'd really like to have this choice, but they don't know how to go get it. So can you can you assist them? Can anyone assist them in that way? Certainly. Um, and again, not to turn this into a, a ed choice advertisement, um, right. but we, we do have uh, information available for, for anyone on our website, uh, but we also do trainings uh, for people and we're willing to talk with anyone that wants to call in and ask questions about their specific state, about their specific issue. Um, we're happy to take those questions and help uh, answer those and help guide them with information and data that they can use um, in their own state in conversations with others around them, um, whether that be, uh, you know, other families that are in a similar situation or people that can make a difference, um, you know, in the in the legislature. Um, again, we don't we don't tell people who to vote for, who to not vote for. Um, that's that's not our thing at all. Right. Um, but we just want to give people the training and the information available, um, you know, we, we like to just bring people together around the issue. Yeah. And the more people you have on board that are vocal about it, the more likely it is that things will start to move in the right direction for the families that, that want this so badly. Steve Hallwerda, hang on with us for just one second. Quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the fact that Ed Choice is just one of many organizations out there. And I'm always yeah. curious as to why organizations don't band together more but I, but this is something we'll get into with Steve in just one second you know folks since November of last year the stock market has plummeted but gold has been on the rise gas prices are insane the stock market is extremely volatile inflation is even worse than it was a year ago and now we have this war with Russia and Ukraine that could spread to the rest of the world. The markets don't like instability, but the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against the weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that will protect your wealth and retirement. Call Legacy Precious Metals today. Be proactive while there is still time. Remember 2008? Those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. 
All right, back with Steve Halwerda of EdChoice. You can find him at edchoice.org. Again, I'm not pushing their agenda. I, I, I like this organization. I'll be candid. But I also know there are lots of others out there, Steve, and I've, I've gotten so many emails since, since COVID began of, you know, Save Our Schools, all these different organizations out there. And it's, it's like any other topic, whether you want to care for animals. You know, you've got the Humane Society, you've got the ASPCA, you've got all these organizations that want to do the same thing. And you think, wouldn't it just be more efficient if they all got together and worked as one? <laughs> but that doesn't seem to happen. What What is the relationship between different organizations surrounding this same topic of allowing parents to choose the school that best suits their kid? Sure. Yeah, there are, as you mentioned, a lot of organizations out there um, around the country that are fighting for the same issue. Um, you know, we're, we're in very general terms pulling the same direction and we really do want the same thing. I think ultimately we all do. We want the exact same thing that, you know, universal choice for all across the country, regardless of what state you live in or your financial situation or anything like that. We all want that um, and work together I think probably more often than is seen publicly. Um, oh, really? You know, we we do work together quite a bit. Uh, you know, our when the the bill passed last year in West Virginia, you know, we we put out a, a press release on it, and I'm sure others did as well. But you know, to list off the groups that we worked with in order to get that accomplished, it was it was a long list of people that worked together to make something like that happen, and I think. Uh, the reason, you know, back to your point of why are there so many organizations doing the same thing? Um, you know, we all have different connections and I have different ways to get to that finish line. Um, and so that's why, you know, we continue to maintain different organizations, but ultimately we all want the same thing and want to continue to work together and make, make a better place for all of us, you know, through educational choice. So there are a lot of them out there. We're one, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm biased a little bit towards that choice. You are. Of course. Of course. Um, but there are others out there that are doing some great work as well. And we're, we're happy to call them partners of ours and, and work together on a pretty regular basis. I want to ask you a question. I'm not sure you're going to be able to answer, but I'm <laughs> yeah. going to throw it at you anyway. I hear very often throw more money at the issue. You know, if, if public schools aren't doing their jobs properly there, it's because they're underfunded. I don't buy into that one because it's, it's, first of all, it's an easy answer that we generally throw at any problem facing society, throw more money at it. My mom was a school teacher in, in public schools for her whole entire career. So I watched this firsthand, some of the struggles, some of the successes. Why is this more of a problem, quote unquote, than one that can just be resolved with throwing more money at public schools? Yeah, as you mentioned, Michelle, that, that does tend to be an answer that people give almost for any situation out there, yeah. whether it's education or anything else, you know, throw a pile of money at it and that'll solve the problem. But I think we've all seen that that's not a viable solution. I, you know, I suppose in some short term way it could. But, you know, over the last few years um, with some of the pandemic funding that we saw come out to uh, to schools. There's more money out there right now than there's been in a long, long time. And some of it isn't even spent yet, is it? I mean, no. it's just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying to find ways. Uh, you know, it's, I think even the institutions themselves weren't 
they're not really prepared for that. And I think that might be part of the issue where, you know, throwing a pile of money at anything, if you're not ready to use that money or don't have a plan to use it, you're really not going to be able to make an impact with that. So, yes, I, that's a solution. It's not a very good one of throwing money at the problem. Yeah. Um, I think you'd be better served in, again, making school choice available for families, use some of that money for that. Um, and that that may actually solve the problem. But um, yeah, to, to throw a pile of money at any issue, including education, is usually not a very winning solution. Well, I, if I recall correctly, Milton Friedman, as you've noted, is the founder of EdChoice yes. under a different name, initially yep. approached this whole topic from an economic standpoint. What is the most efficient way to spend money on education? And yes. what he came up with was let the money follow the student. I, it, it, that's sort of the very you know thumbnail sketch of it. But isn't that how this all started? That's absolutely right. Yes. And when he started talking about it, that was one of the things he talked about is, you know, and, and we all know, you know, Milton Friedman, I mean, he's a, a brilliant economist and Correct. way smarter than me on any of this stuff for sure. And, you know, for him to come up with an idea like that, that, you know, have the money follow the student, it just makes a lot more sense. You know, logically, it makes a lot more sense, um, let alone fiscally. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we've done a lot of fiscal analysis of that, of, you know, what is the impact in a state uh, with large programs such as like, uh, you know, Indiana, as I mentioned, and it's, it doesn't hurt anything uh, to have that, to have money following a child. It hasn't hurt the bottom line of our public institutions at all. So I think Milton was right that, you know, the best way to do it is fund the family, fund the child, um, and then let them choose how they want to use it to, to best educate them. You know, parents know them a lot better than, than the state does. I would never presume to know something about someone else's child and their mom and dad can know that the best. So yeah. they should choose. I, I have to bring this up. It's sort of standing in front of me like an elephant in the room. We had this horrific mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas yeah. a week ago. And yes. it, I think it made people think, what do I want my school environment to look like for my child? How can I not have a safer school when a the press secretary for the the president of the United States says hardening schools is not in his interest? I think a lot of parents would say, "Damn it, harden my school! I I, I want to feel that my kid is safe." How much does that impact? The way parents view where they want to put their their kids in school, is that a factor? It absolutely is a factor. And, you know, that incredible tragedy that we saw last week, I, it breaks my heart to even talk about it. Um, know. You know, that one and, and many others, it's sad that we can even say there's been more. Um, but yes, that's that's something that definitely weighs on parents' minds of, you know, safety of their child at school, I think safety of their child anywhere, anytime anywhere, yeah. is, is, you know, the number one priority of parents most of the time, I would imagine. Um, and that's definitely something that, that weighs on people as they make this decision of where they want their child to be educated. Uh, and it's also a question that we ask in our polling as well of, you know, when you rank things of what's most important to you, as far as where you send your child to be educated, 
that's always one of the things that comes up is you know, safety of the institution. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, after something like that, I don't know, I haven't seen the polling uh, from this month yet, but I would imagine that one will bump up the priority list significantly as it should. I, I yeah. think it's, it's critical that our children be safe and feel safe in the place where they're trying to learn. Um, if you're concerned about safety while you're trying to learn math, that's, that's two competing things and it's, it's hard to focus. Uh, it's, it's so, so difficult to, to talk about. It's, yeah, it, it really is. What are some of the other top priorities for these parents that you poll? Um, yeah, so what we're seeing quite often from parents is, uh, you know, quality of education is obviously an important thing. Um, safety, as I said, is is always climbing up. I actually, if you give me a moment here, yeah, I please take your time with me so that I can answer. I didn't know you were going to ask this question. But I'm I, so sorry. I put you on the spot, but you know what? Okay. This is a podcast. I want to have the conversation. And fortunately you've got the access to the information. I so. do. And I brought it along thinking that you might ask that question. So <laughs> um, it looked like it looks here from our, our most recent polling that we have. Um, the number one thing was effective and ex experienced teachers in the classroom. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then adequate resources, personalized instruction. I mean, these are the things that matter to parents, uh, high quality pre-K um, for those that that applies to. Yeah. Uh, and then safety is on there as well. So yeah, yeah it, it seems like, you know, quality instruction in the classroom is, is of critical importance to parents. And, and again, if you can choose where you get that from, that would certainly help a lot. Well, yeah, when you're, you know that your kid is in a massive classroom with a bunch of kids who aren't getting individual attention because the teacher is stretched so thin or whatever, yeah. that, that's, that's concerning. You, you know, we all want it for every kid. And uh, coincidentally, yesterday I was speaking with Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins. We were talking about the, the impact of COVID on kids learning and kids even attending school and he mentioned Baltimore because Johns Hopkins is near there. Sure. And some of these kids that didn't have access to the Zoom, didn't have access to Wi-Fi, just didn't attend school and now are just not attending school anymore. And yeah. I think that these parents would love to have resources, friends, any concerned person in this child's sphere would love to be able to direct them to a place that is going to work for that kid. It's, it's a complex issue. I, you know, there are so many, but, but what I, I, what I'd like to push back on is people coming back to it for one thing with one argument of it's too complicated, or I should just be able to put my kid in a public school and trust that that's fine. But the fact of the matter is the world we want to live in and the world that we actually live in are a little bit they're different right now. And so, yes. you know, being able to provide a, a spectrum of options to people is so, so, so important. Even if it's just saying, you know, I want to put my kid in the parochial school near that my church provides, you know, but I need a little money for that. Um, yep. I guess I'd say, do you boil this down for us? And then I have one more question for you. What, what you know, how, what is the macro picture here? What is the <laughs> biggest hurdle to getting this done? I, I think, I think information is probably the biggest hurdle to getting this done. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there of yeah. what this is going to hurt, the damage that's going to be done if we do this. And, 
I think we're missing the main point here in that the damage is already being done. Um, you know, and, and with the pandemic, as you mentioned, there were some students that just disappeared. They didn't have access to, to the resources that they needed. And that's just sad that, that that's the case. And, you know, to the point of, you know, some, sometimes the, the assigned school that someone may have due to zip code isn't working for them. It does work for others. And, you know, at Ed Choice, and I think other organizations similar, we're not trying to hurt public schools here at all. We're, we're all for it. Um, you know, and we're not saying teachers are bad. They, there's a lot of great teachers out there. Some of them are just in a tough situation um, where it's just, it doesn't work for them either. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure that every family has every choice available to them, whatever that may be, uh, you know, whether it's public, private, charter school, homeschool, parochial school to us, it doesn't matter. We just want to make sure that every child, every family has an opportunity to put their child where it can make the most impact in that kid's life. And, and that's what it's all about to us. But I think, I think a lot of it is just misinformation or not enough information right. out there about what we do. Right. And you said it at the, the very beginning that the information that some people like to disseminate is based on fear instead of hope. And yes. I would suggest to anyone listening to this, when someone tries to make you afraid of some sort of change, challenge it in your own mind, challenge it, push back and say, well, you know, there might be an upside here. What might that be instead of just succumbing to the fear that is pushed at you by people who oppose this idea? And and this yeah. leads me to my last question for you, because again, it feels like an elephant in the room and maybe we touched on this tangentially, but let's go there again. Okay. How big of an obstacle are these teachers unions and how much of the disinformation is coming from them. And I'm putting you in a tough position because I'm kind of asking you to throw them under the bus. And I guess I don't mean to do it that way, but in general, teachers unions don't like the idea of change. They, they don't. And, and again, I think we need to make sure that we separate the teachers from the union. Yes, um, Absolutely. You know, Again, Let's do okay. Everyone hear that? We are separating the teachers from the unions. The <laughs> teachers are unions again. It's an umbrella that oversees what these teachers can and can't do, can and can't ask for, get paid, don't get paid. The union is a different thing. Okay, from that foundation, from go ahead. Knowing that from that foundation, uh, it is certainly one of the places where that misinformation comes from, or the fear is being sown. Um, you know, and so that that is one of the things that we need to talk about and discuss with an organization and with other organizations like ours of how do we make sure that the right information is out there at all times for people, the true information is out there, um, you know, that hopeful information that we mentioned before. Um, and again, the, the teachers, they're great. I, you know, I, for the most part, teachers are fantastic and, and they do a great job. And I'm not one for a lot of reasons. And, you know, the people that have chosen that profession, I, I think they have really done something great for them and for the next generation. Yeah. But we do need to make sure that we separate that from the union, at, you know, at, at large. Um, and that's where a lot of the information comes from. They're very well funded, that's for sure. Um, and so that makes the challenge a little tougher uh, sometimes for us, um, because, you know, we, we are dependent on the charitable gifts that come in uh, to our organization. 
Um, and I, I do the best I can to get as many here as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but but competing dollar for dollar with them is is a losing battle every day. Uh, you know, so again, it just comes down to tell the truth, and you know, this is what's happening. And and Ed Choice as an organization makes sure that we are very honest with our high quality research that we have, and we produce regardless of how that outcome, even if it's different than we thought it was going to be when we started the research project, we will tell the truth. And this is what it is. And this is why it is. And I think that's how you you bring this issue to the forefront of make sure that you're, you're honest about it, you're doing it for the right reasons. And that reason being, we've got to help these families and their children get the best possible opportunity for the next step of their lives. Steve Halwarda, our guest, Vice President of Development at EdChoice. You can check it out at edchoice.org. I said I had the last question, but I do want to give you an opportunity to present if 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 parents, because I know you do training, yes. and parents who feel helpless in this, like they don't know how to, to push back, how to work within the system, against the system, whatever the case may be. Give us an idea of what they can learn through EdChoice. Yeah, so um, with EdChoice, and most of this information can be found on our website, as Michelle mentioned, edchoice.org. Um, a lot of this information can be found there as well. Um, but what you can expect from us um, is, again, high-quality research, uh, data analytics, uh, policy ex- experience and expertise uh, on different policies across the country in individualized states, uh, training and messaging strategies for you as a parent or a supporter of this this work. Um, we can offer all of those things to you um, and are happy to take any questions through our website, phone call, uh, any of that. We've got a lot of people here that would be very happy to help those that are looking for this information. But again, we can get, you know, we can stay at 30,000 feet or get all the way down to the grassroots level. We're happy to work on any of those levels with someone and and we get to where you are and uh, and meet you where you need us to be. Well, I'm a fan. I, I'm going to put that out there. That's honest. But Thank I you. do I do want people to know I'm not just this is not an infomercial for Ed Choice. This is this is a movement that we see happening. And and Steve, with that, I will let you go. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And thanks for the opportunity. You got it. So to parents and grandparents and students who are listening to this, uncles, aunts, sisters, brothers, whoever you are, when you hear these fearful messages about changing the landscape of education in America, don't be afraid. I'm just going to give you permission right now to drop the fear and instead adopt hope and curiosity. And if you've got the time, and this speaks to you, and, and it certainly speaks to me, uh, I'm a, my husband and I are both products of public schools all the way until I went to grad school at USC, but that's another story. But up until then, my mom, public school teacher, my husband's mom was a sign language interpreter at public schools. This is, we are products of that. But my mom was a school teacher and I have had conversations with her about what the pitfalls are, particularly where it comes to these unions, not the teachers, the teachers unions, and some of the sort of mandates that they impose. You ought to have freedom when it comes to choosing where your kid goes to school, period, the end. Every kid gets to choose where they go to college, if they want to go to college. 
I think kids do need an education before they're 18. So it's not if they go to school, but it's where and how they learn. And kids learn differently. And what might be best for my kid is different from another kid. And your zip code does not have to mandate where you're educated. So educate yourself. Push back against the fear on this topic. Push back against the misinformation. Don't just trust one source. If you're curious, go learn about it. As my guest Steve said, there are a lot of organizations. I'd encourage you to start with EdChoice. Just check them out at edchoice.org. Look at the information. I'm not asking you to donate. That's up to you. But just look at the information and maybe educate yourself on this and gain, I don't know, a little sanity, a little clarity about the issue. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.